Hey, mamas. I know how much we as parents are cleaning these days, myself included. I'm constantly wiping down surfaces and door handles and getting dirt and germs up off the floor for the baby that's moving around. I'm washing bottles and the endless amounts of snack plates. And these household products that help with cleaning are made to be quite harsh on germs, but they can also be very harsh on our skin and our bodies. Not only are they stripping away the skin's protective surface, but in some cases, we are absorbing these nasty toxins into our bodies. The importance of using gloves cannot be highlighted enough, but this can also be extremely irritating for most of us. A shielding lotion is the next best thing. It applies like a lotion and protects the skin from toxins and everyday irritants by creating an invisible protective layer, just like gloves, that is water-resistant. It has also been proven to repair skin conditions like eczema and psoriasis as it creates a shield that helps the skin repair itself over time. Gloves in a bottle shielding lotion has become my new favorite. It is a lotion that bonds with the outermost layer of the skin cells, enhancing the skin's ability to retain natural oils and moisture and assisting in the skin's ability to protect against irritants. Gloves in a bottle can last for up to 4 to 12 hours before needing to be reapplied and does not wash off, which for busy moms like you and I is a godsend. Go find Gloves in a Bottle. The link is in the description of this podcast and give it a try for yourself. Hey mamas, welcome back to another episode of the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I'm your host, Abby Williams. Today we're talking about babies and infants, which is a fun topic for me as I am about to be closing this chapter of my motherhood journey. Um, Fitz turns one years old this coming week, and I on I can't believe it's been a year. I can't believe he's going to be a big one-year-old boy, and just what a bittersweet celebration we're about to have. Um, you know, during the month of December, we somehow got like a stockpile of Fitz, Fitz's size diapers. And during the month of December, we didn't have to buy diapers. Josie had um, potty trained on a whim, so we didn't have to buy diapers for her. We had enough for Fitz. And it was the first month in four years that we did not buy diapers. And it was just like such this eye-opening experience or just like this aha like we're almost like the light is at the end of the tunnel um we're gonna be out of diapers someday we're gonna be sleeping through the night you know all these little stages they're coming to an end they're you know I can't believe it we've just been in the thick of it with littles for so long and I'm ready to get my body back I'm ready not to be feeding people from my body anymore um but I'm also going to miss it. And I'm ready for them to be out of diapers and I'm ready for them to sleep through the night, but I'm going to miss their tiny faces and I'm going to miss their tininess. And it is so bittersweet. I'm so excited to see who they're going to become and I'm going to miss who they were. Um, And it is just this roller coaster of motherhood, the boaths, you know, we are both so excited and 
so dreading (laughs) our children growing up. And I think it's all so normal to just feel this whirlwind of emotions. Um, But I'm excited to talk about babies as we go on this motherhood journey together here on the podcast because I love babies. So I am happy to be bringing baby content to you guys um, because I know so many of you are still in the thick of it with littles. Um, And I wish that this course that we're talking about in today's episode, I wish I would have had this when some of my littles were little. So I am joined today by my friend Beth. You can find her over on Instagram at Little Movers PT. She is creating some amazing content and her course, Babies, Bellies, and Bubbles, is a movement massage and play for happy babies. It's an at-home workshop to optimize infant physical development and feedings. We talk about tummy time. We talk about tongue ties. We talk about feeding issues, um, different breastfeeding issues. And like I said, I wish that I would have had this course when I was on my postpartum journey with a few of my children. So make sure that you go find her over on Instagram at Little Movers PT. Go sign up for her course. And I hope that you enjoy this episode. If you do, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Your support here on the podcast always means the world to me. And let's get started. Cheers. So Beth, welcome to the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I'm so excited to be talking about this early intervention piece. Um, I think so many of us mamas have struggles with some of these things that we're going to be talking about. So I think that this is such an important topic. Um, Beth, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the work that you do. Absolutely. So I'm so happy to be here. So thank you so much for having me. Um, But so you my name is Beth Morrell. I'm a physical therapist. Um, I've been treating since 2008. I have two kids of my own. I have a five and a half year old and a three and a half year old, and they are what drive most of my practice. Um, I've always treated babies. I do clinicals in the NICU. So I, you know, I've seen little tiny babies from one pound um, all the way through. And they're super cute. (laughs) They fit in the palm of your hand when they're that small. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, I have seen pretty much everything. Um, But when my daughter was born, which is almost six years ago, um, she had issues latching. And I had the experience of working with babies with the outside of the face, with the neck, with the body, with tension, with crying, with gassy, with cranky. But I never got to work inside of the mouth because that just wasn't part of the um, what was going around. Like that wasn't part of our education. And so, you know, on first latch, um, I was bleeding already. And I said, hey, this isn't right. Can I get a lactation consultant? And they're like, all right, slow down, mom. Like you gave her three minutes ago. Yeah. And I was like, okay, but I know what anatomy is. And this can't be correct anatomy. I get it. I've never breastfed a baby before. Right. And, you know, long story short, um, it took four weeks to get a correct diagnosis and four lactation consultants later that she did have a tongue tie and that was what was causing all the tension and the pain and all of that. So it was kind of her that made me dive into, well, um, you know, why aren't we looking inside the mouth and what are things that we can do to rehabilitate the mouth? Um, She did get a phrenectomy, 
but there was no physical therapy even six years ago that was like you know um at least not widespread it was out there information was out there um i did take her to craniosacral therapy which it, i also practiced all the way through seeds two and pregnancy conception and birthing um but i took her to craniosacral therapy which you know did really really well for her she started sleeping less gassy uh, i took her to chiropractor again you know just ease of tension but no real habilitation of the mouth and it just so happened that a course was coming out for the first time um, on the East Coast, and I dove right in when she was 10 weeks old, and I learned, you know, what are the oral motor skills that we need to be working on? Um, how do I, you know, integrate this into my practice? And it kind of ran from there. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, so I have two friends that have dealt with like the tongue tie issues who have very similar stories. So I was love like what you're describing here, where mom knows like something is not right. My baby's not latching. They're not feeding. This is very frustrating for mom and baby. And it takes so long to get like a proper diagnosis. And especially for like first time moms, you know, really any like new mom, you're bringing home this brand new baby. It's such a big transition. And there's just like so much stress around this. Is there like a way, I guess, like that we can be better serving these moms? Yeah. I mean, I think it's all about education, right? Right. There's a lot of red tape, a lot of resistance. I know in the state of New York, and there's a little bit in New Jersey, but it's a little bit more lenient, but there's a lot of bureaucracy throughout the hospital that, you know, if they notice a feeding issue such as a tongue tie, they say, do not mention this in the hospital. You can mention, hey, you might want to seek outside lactation consultant, but they'll never use the word tongue tie. And um, they say, like, well, they say, don't worry, a new mom. However, when you go home and your baby is losing weight or they're gassy or they're not sleeping, they're starving. I mean, I feel like that causes more stress on the mom than just telling them they have a tongue tie. And this is what you do to fix it. Um, So it's definitely like red tape bureaucracy. Pediatricians are slowly coming to the the playground, but you have to take interest in order to, you know, sit in the same, in the room, right? I mean, uh, physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech pathologists, lactation consultants, ENTs, uh, dentists, and orofacial surgeons, we all sit in the same conferences to learn about anatomy and physiology of the mouth, um, yeah. you know, breastfeeding, tongue ties, all of that stuff. And you have to have the interest in it. So if pediatricians, you know, we, you know, in their defense, they need to know, every virus, every rash, every disease. I know. And that, you know, that might not be their specialty. Um, I think what's more important is that they are able to refer out and make the right referral so that to be supportive of the parent rather than, you know, put that everything fine. There's always formula. You can bottle feed. This doesn't, you know, oh, there's a little tie. Yep, I see a little tie, but the baby will be fine. Right. You know, just it's better to just refer out and say, listen, I'm not the specialist to go see a specialist and move on from there. So there's definitely a lot of red no, I'm like thinking about like my friends, you know, and like their do- their daughters are, you know, probably around the same age as your daughter, like pushing six years old. And, you know, first time moms, super stressed out. And they were like going to Google for these things. And like, finally, they were the ones like able to diagnose their own child Mm -hmm. and like find, Mm -hmm. okay, now that I know that this is the problem, this is how I'm going to like 
go find help for this problem, right? And and it was like super stressful for these moms. And I know like so many other moms that are probably listening to this, you know, whether you're going through this right now or you know somebody or whatever. Um, yeah, it's just like such a stressful time during new motherhood and just like how can we better serve the mom? So once like we have the insight and we know like, okay, we've got a tongue tie issue or maybe you're suspecting it, you know, you're listening to this podcast right now and you're like, I think maybe my baby might have a tongue tie. We're having these issues. What do we do from there? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And education is key, right? right. It will not be a tongue tie. It might right. just be tension, yeah. latch, um, uh, it could be food sensitivities. It could be um, birth trauma, right? In craniosacral world, we say a lot has to do with the way that the baby was sitting in the uterus and the way that the baby came out. Mm-hmm. For example, if you have a vacuum delivery, that vacuum is going to pull on the membrane in the skull and that membrane system is connected all the way down top to bottom. So that baby can come out with a completely, you know, torqued system and right. you're really unhappy. Um right. So it's not always, it doesn't always relate to a tongue tie necessarily, right. though there are a lot of studies out there that, you know, are leaning towards that. They're big numbers. There was a 2018 study that just said 46.3% of babies are born with a tethered frenulum and 35% of those babies um, have a restricted frenulum, meaning it's causing feeding issues. Yeah. So that's a lot of people. That's a lot of babies. One out of every three baby is going to have uh, need essentially a revision or choose, you know, if the parents choose to, that's, that's a lot. I mean, that's, it's, it's a huge number. So, right. I mean, I think it's just about getting in there, educating yourself on what does that look like? Is it because my baby's cooking on the breast or the bottle? Is it because my baby is really gassy? Gassy is because of aerophagia. What essentially that means is that with every suck, swallow, breathe, they're taking in a little bubble of air and then yeah. you have milk, air, milk, air, milk, air. That's going to either come up as spit up, come up as silent reflux yeah, or go down as gas. Oh, right? I had a reflux baby and oh my gosh, that was like my hardest time. <laughs> yeah. Aerophage is no joke, but like, you know, you got to dig deeper. So right. the thing too is, oh, well, you know, my baby's really reflexy and really gassy, but my yeah. milk supply is great. So my baby's gaining weight. Right. Um, and that's another piece of red tape. Well, your baby's gaining weight. Everything's fine. Well, that doesn't mean it can't be addressed, right? And right. you address um, tongue ties themselves. If you do find that it is a tongue tie A and B that it's restrictive, you're not just revising it for breastfeeding or bottle feeding, either or. You are revising it for potential speech issues you are revising it for um uh, feeding issues like solid food and most importantly is breathing and that's the one that people don't know about your mouth needs to be closed your tongue needs to be up for every single reason in a baby toddler and adult life every single reason um the tongue shapes the palate the tongue rubs on the palate, um, which releases oxytocin. It hits the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is the one that takes you out of fight or flight. That's the one that makes you calm. Yeah. And so babies can be frantic. That's why babies end up sucking their thumb. Because if the tongue can't do it, something else is going to do it. Something has to soothe them on the roof of their mouth. Do you um, feel like this like plays into like colicky babies? So colic, um, yeah, co- in my opinion, colic is not yeah. a thing. Colic is... I'm gassy. I'm 
um, uncomfortable. I might be hungry because, you know, I'm not transferring enough. And um, I might have some food sensitivity. So colic is a way that um, a doctor can tell us that something is going on deeper, but it's not an actual diagnosis. It's just like a combination of symptoms. Right. And so if you have a colicky baby, that's when you immediately go like, oh boy, what's actually going on here? And that's kind of like one of the reasons that I made my you know, e-course because that helps to differentiate what, who, what, when, where, why, and like what's going on in there and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because I really feel like, you know, parents that are like going through, you know, like the colicky baby stuff where your baby is just like frantic and screaming and crying mm-hmm. all the time, you know, that takes so much on parents, right? Like that's really wearing on your mental health. Like, you know, you feel like you're losing it. Yeah, um, you can, that can cause PPD and PPA right, right there, you know? Right, right. Um, and if you all have that tendency it can really put you over the edge, which is why you really need that support system. You need someone to come in there and be the expert and say, this is, this is why it's happening. Not like all moms get the baby blues and all babies are fussy and colicky. Like that's not a good enough answer. No, I totally agree. And I think that like, you know, the colic, like, but there's a lot of misinformation out there around like colicky babies and, oh, your baby's just colicky, like they'll kind of outgrow it, right? And like, Mm -hmm. yeah, if you're already experiencing this postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, and this is like putting you over the edge, you don't have time to just like wait this out, right? Mm -hmm. And like, and even if, you know, it's not the thing putting you over the edge, like nobody needs to go through that. We all need the support. We all need this. So tell us like what your course does that helps identify these issues and help parents kind of like navigate through this? Okay. So the reason that I made this course um, in particular is because I used to teach this class live and where I live is right outside of New York city or or lived. We live in the suburbs now, a little bit North, but um, you know, right outside of New York city, we had amazing plantation consultants who would often be able to identify what was going on, you know, intraorally or maybe neck tightness, which you call torticollis or flattening yeah. of the head, which you call plagiocephaly. Very good at identifying it and referring out, meaning, you know, they would say, hey, listen, there might be a tongue tie going on here. Um, I think you need to see a physical therapist, an occupational therapist, craniosacral therapist. It doesn't matter. It's someone who has the training to work with those kinds of babies, right? Right. And there were moms who said, great, sign me up. And there are moms who said, all right, I'm going to try to navigate this myself and let's see how it goes. Yeah. So I, I taught this class live, which was, um, you know, things that I would do inside of my physical therapy practice, teach new moms, that would be their homework. They're all things that, you know, parent-friendly, easy things to do, range yeah. of motion, stretching, massage, but they specifically target one, the cranial nerve. The cranial nerves are the nerves that are in the brain. They control the eyesight, which, you know, your eyes need to converge in order to breastfeed. They need to move left, right. They, you know, that's your surrounding, the sense of smell. I mean, your sense of smell is directly tied to your taste, which we know your taste. Um, The muscles of the tongue are, you know, innervated by cranial nerves. The sensory system to the face is innervated by cranial nerves. 
the fight or flight system, the vagus nerve, is also a cranial nerve. The uh, the nerves that control the neck actually are come out of the cranium, the cranial nerves. And so these nerves matter so much because basically I equate babies to like being snakes. Everything comes out of their face and their mouth and their tongues, and that's how they navigate their surroundings. And so we need to make sure those are super alert, aware, and, you know, and thriving because, you know, a baby sits inside um, and they might be head down for from 30 weeks, that's like 10 weeks of sitting in one spot. <laughs> they get really pinched up. Yeah. Especially now, I mean, yeah, this is Corona land where we are doing our, our work from our desk for the eight hours a day where, you know, that mom, pregnant mom would have been commuting, going to the gym after work, taking walks with their family. And their boss is like, great, no commute. Now you get to sit here on the computer for those extra two hours. And it's a lot. It's I a know. lot on the baby, it's a lot on the body. Um, maternal stress is no joke on a fetus. It is a real thing. Yeah. And so we got to really, really, really focus on unpinching those, those nerves. Um, we also need attention to the neck. We need full range of motion left and right. A baby cannot hop on both breasts comfortably if they have a kink in their neck. We don't have to call it torticollis all the time, but, um, you know, from the ear essentially all the way down to the hip on one side is usually tighter than the other side because of the way that they sit in utero. So we have to address those things. Right. Um, we and need I feel to... like, you know, there's this more like the torticollis and like the flat heads, the mm -hmm. helmet wearing, um, it's becoming like more and more prevalent. Do you feel like it has to do with this in utero stuff that you're talking about? It definitely has to do with in utero constraint along tagged with back to sleep. Yeah. Because, you know, if there was in utero constraint, but then babies were sleeping on their bellies, they would be rolling around a lot more and just be in much more diverse positioning during the day. Yeah. We also have a container environment. Yeah. You know, we, we love to make everything really easy. You put your baby from the swing to the docket tot, to the mamaroo, to, to the breast, right? The containers are box, so bad. Box to box to box. And now we have this new and like, this new is so popular, but from a physical therapy perspective, that zip up swaddle that is keeping your baby in the snow yeah. can really make your tight baby even tighter. Yeah. And then your baby, if they have reflux symptoms, they're crying because there's reflux, but the snow intuitively is going to try to rock them back down. But the right. reason why your baby's crying is because they need you to pick them up because they have reflux stuck in their throat, like it's oh. burning. They want you to pick them up. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a little counterintuitive. Like it's, it's tough. This news really tough on people like yeah. me because I understand everybody wants to sleep. Um, or we might be living away from our family. We don't all right. have that help that we really need. And we really want to function, especially, especially if we have, you know, PPD because sleep is a really um, a factor in that. You know, the less sleep you get, the more anxious or the more, um, on edge you might be, but this new, you know, that's why it's there, right? But it might be doing the opposite of what it was intended for. Yeah. Um, so there's that. I mean, all those things combined. We have containers. It's new. It's actually a container too, right? right. Um, and and we put our babies back to sleep, swaddled up, you know, all the time. So there's going to be that. It took me until my fourth baby to like really 
stop the containers. You know, I really haven't used any containers with the, he's now 10 months old, Fitz. Um, and he is my strongest, mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. the most perfect shape head baby. <laughs> And I'm like, it's because he wasn't stuck in any container. You know, yeah. he was on tummy I'm time. Like the like, worst. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm and the worst person to ask for that too. Because, you know, yeah. people will always ask me and be like, oh, um, what should I, what, like, what should I do for this? And I'm like, no. I just answered <laughs> no. Um, like, extra software, no. Set me up, no. Bumble, yeah. no. Like no, these things, the answers are just straight no for me. Um, mm-hmm. Bumble, it's just so, you know, the listeners now. Bumble and Fit Me Up, they both put you in a posterior pelvic tilt, which basically means you sit on your sacrum. And yeah. so it puts you in this bumped posture just by nature of the product. Yeah. It also is, you know, um, aims for three months plus. A three-month-old baby should not be sitting, and therefore they're going to have to lean on the side. Now when they lean on the side, you're creating this tension pattern on one side of their body because you're propping them up in this yeah. way that they shouldn't be propped up. So I get it. You know, oh, my baby has a little flat spot. Let me just put them in the sit me up to so that they're not on the back of their head so much. No, let's just work on that tummy time. Let's get them in that tummy time, right? I know. You know, we got to work that out. Let's work on the torticollis. They won't be in pain when we do tummy time. Right. Um, and let's work on it. Let's work on stretching and strengthening because we don't need to put our baby into a different container. And it's um, like hard. I think like once you get more than one child, because of that, I got myself into that. Um, mm-hmm. my, my daughters are 15 months apart. So, you know, I had the toddler baby <laughs> and then the new baby. Mm-hmm. And so I constantly, you know, would like have to put down the new baby to tend to the 15 month old, you know, like she needed her things, she needed to be engaged. And so I would put her down in a container. And then it, you know, it was very early on that you could like tell it was the next stuff happening. And my doctor, you know, noticed it very, very quick um, and referred me to physical therapy. She's like, you know, she's, you know, very mild case of torticollis, but like you need to get in there. And the physical therapist was like, honestly, it's like so mild that it's not even going to benefit you like coming here. Like, here's the stretches. Here's what you need to do. Like, do this at home and you can correct this. Um, so we just had like our initial appointment. And then she sent me home with like all the paperwork. And we did. We worked on it and it was corrected. Um, I, and immediately, you know, I was like, we got to get away from the containers. And then when Fitz came, I'm like, we're not doing that again. And, you know, <laughs> like, and I feel like, you know. I get it with once like you get more than one, you're busy, you need to put down the baby. Um, But then I feel like you also have these great opportunities to be strengthening your baby because you have more, you know, where if you put them down for tummy time, they are picking that head up and looking around because they've got all these big siblings moving around and doing all these things that you don't even like really have to get down there and help them, you know, swivel around and engage them. Yeah, forget toys. Yeah. Siblings are the best. Yeah. And like they, he was just like on the move so early and, you know, he was up crawling and walking so early because he was just like amazed at all these tiny people that were yeah. running around around him. Like I got to get up and go. And he is so strong. He is just like solid. 
Exactly. Um, you know, I mean, and so, so like, I address like, that too. It, but yeah, but like get out there and like, you know, get them, get them moving with those tiny people. Well, the thing <laughs> is that a lot of these babies, when yeah. you are tongue tied or when you have in utero constraints or when you had a vacuum or forceps delivery, yeah. these babies don't like tummy time as much. So we, I definitely address this in the course. Yeah. We want to roll in, we want to do it, you know, we, the roll in matters more than the actual tummy time itself. And when they're in tummy time, you got to get those elbows down, the hands apart, the shoulders back, and you have to socially engage with them because yeah. half of the cranial nerves are social nerves. So it doesn't have to be you. It could be the, you know, the sibling, yeah. but you're yeah. just helping to make sure that those shoulders are back, right? right? And then as soon as they get fussy, boom, you roll them right back out. So yeah. that baby who hate, quote unquote, hates tummy time, if yeah. they get short, frequent bursts of it done correctly, but throughout the day, every single wake period, or if you need to do it right after a diaper change to, you know, keep your mind on it every single time. I mean, we're talking, you know, two minutes here, two minutes there. It's 20 minutes by the end of the day when you said, oh, my baby can't tolerate it. Well, they can. And then what yeah. happens is those two minutes become three minutes, become four minutes. And then all of a sudden your baby's on their tummy 24 seven. And that, that's just how it goes. Um, so I definitely address that. And, and the issue is, is that we, the vagus nerve, which is that so, 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 so sensitive nerve that takes you out of fight or flight, it's also responsible for your digestion because it's responsible for smooth muscles. So, you know, the, those constipated babies, they really need it. But your yeah. vagus nerve comes out of your palate, your diaphragm, and your gut. So when you're flat on the floor in tummy time, that's when you're hitting the lucky seven. Yeah. Um, not that being up on your chest for tummy time is a no go. It's a go. You know, it's you got to do what you got to do. Being right. on your leg um, doesn't count as tummy time, but it definitely counts as neck and back strengthening. And if your baby then tolerates those minutes on your leg, then they're going to be strong enough to tolerate the flat tummy time after that. So it's definitely something we talk about. And, you know, those exercises or stretches that your physical therapist gave you. Yeah. Uh, they don't even some some physical therapists do them right because that's kind of what you learn in school those right. those stretches you got that's what that's like that's what they tell us these are the things you do but we know better like people who work physical therapists and occupational therapists who work with newborns um we have a different way of doing it and mm -hmm. it's also addressed in the course it's just more gentle we don't need to pull on their head and like smush their cheek into the ground it's using visual tracking to get them over there yeah. Right. And then at their end point of rotation, if you can maintain eye contact or read a book right there, I don't care if it's only halfway, because if they maintain eye contact with you uncompromised, you know, yeah, they can go a little bit further the next time and a little bit further the next time. And we don't have to smush their face into the floor. We yeah. don't have to rip their shoulder away from their ear anymore. Um, we do a position uh, which is called guppy or head hangs, depending upon who you are um, in the field. But yeah. I thought, I was funny, like 10 years ago, I thought I made up this position until I figured out it had a name. And I guess I didn't make it up. I just thought <laughs> everyone made it up at the same time. I was like, I'm a genius. And then it turns out it has a real name. Um, but Gappy is like when you head, put your head, um, the baby's head over your legs, so they're belly up. And yeah. then their head is kind of resting upside down on your leg. And that's just going to stretch out the whole neck all the way down, you know, basically from their tongue to their toes. And it's a really good way to open up that neck and um, stretch it out and get it ready. Also, you know, if this baby is going to have a tongue tie release, that space needs to happen before 
the tongue tie starts to get released. Um, so like you asked before, um, how do you go about that process? I mean, ideally, a an IDCLC, which is a lactation consultant, board certified, would have said, you know, it looks like this baby has a tongue tie. We can't diagnose therapists, IDCLCs, nobody can diagnose unless you're a doctor. But we can say, these are what, this is what I see, you know, you can go to the doctor for further evaluation. But the ideal way is that they then send you to the body worker, which is me, like the PT, yeah. the CST, the OT, the chiropractor, whomever is in your area, because yeah. there might be one person in your area, there might be everyone, who knows. Um, and then you really want to work on all of these skills. So that's the guppy, the loosening, getting rid of plagiocephaly, getting rid of torticollis, um, getting the tongue moving. The tongue has to do left, right, out, and up. The lips should be closed. The tongue should be glued to the roof of the mouth. We really got to get all that going first. And then that's going to prepare that baby for the frenectomy. Because if you cut a tongue that is super tight yeah. and not used to going in the right direction, no one taught it, you should be trying to do this, it's going to end up being the exact same. So you're kind of like, you know, going against the grain. Whereas if you're already starting to do these exercises with the tongue, with the neck, with the chest, with the tummy time, with the strengthening, you're setting the baby up with postural control, with loose, you know, loose muscles, with um, the idea of I know what my tongue is supposed to do. And that way, when they go and get it done, oh, okay, immediately it's going to be better. And then you follow back up with the same person to do, you know, post-op exercises to make them super strong and kind of work through it. Um, and that was one of the big drivers for my course because right. COVID hit and nobody could get body work, right? right. And so right. I was like, uh, what do we do now? And then I said, listen, you know what? When I used to teach this course in Hoboken, New Jersey, these moms were getting better. You know, they didn't necessarily go to PT. They didn't necessarily get any body work. But these babies were doing amazing. You know, they, yeah. they were getting better. They were loosening. They were suckling. They were, you know sleeping at night. And so I knew that it would be okay. So I just put it all together in an equal. And then that way, you can have something to prepare your baby with, you can have something to, you know, identify, um, is gas coming from aerophagia, because I show you what the suckling is supposed to look like, you know, and if you put your baby on their back, and you're doing rotation, and you put your finger in their mouth, and they're suckling, but you hear big clicking sounds like that's not a good thing. So it kind of yeah. goes through all that. So it can be for any parent. It could be for the parent that's getting ready for a phrenectomy. It could be for a parent who um, has a gassy, fussy, colicky, quote unquote, baby. Yeah. Or it could be for the mom who's a new mom. Because guess what? Parenting has no rule book, right? You, <laughs> it's so hard. You get out of this hospital and now you're like, um... I'm just like this little person. <laughs> yeah, what the heck am I supposed to do with this tiny human? I, I don't know. Like people are stumped. And yeah. so I literally say, this is what you can do with your baby. Like yeah. we're gonna engage with them, we're gonna play with them, we're gonna do tummy time, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do baby crunches, um, we're gonna work in their mouths, we're gonna do all these things. And 10 exercises will take up your entire day um it's to the point where if you're used to it it's a no-brainer and right. if you're not you're like oh my god there's so many <laughs> things that i could be doing with my baby i can't do them all 
yeah. it just depends on who you are and what kind of help you need but yeah. it exists and then I the same that. 10 videos exist in the workbook version yeah. because if you're a visual learner or if you um are nursing the baby and you just want to flip through or if your baby's sleeping and you don't want to play a youtube video right it's going to be nice and nice and quiet because you can just read through it so there's a full workbook there's combinations of two moves at a time right so i say like go from guppy into tummy time and that way um you know you'll take the length that you got from the neck and now you'll use that length and, and put it to strength um, because moms need direction. We're tired. I'm still tired and my kids are old. I'm tired. I, we got a COVID puppy, so now I'm really tired. So, yeah. um, you know, if someone gives you direction of, okay, do this combo and this combo today, do this combo and this combo tomorrow. Yes. Okay. She told me what to do. I'm good. I'm set to go. That makes it way less stressful, you know, and like as moms, we're just like constantly being the ones that are planning and like we're the ones telling and doing and half the time we're we don't even know what we're supposed to be telling or doing you know we're just like trying to keep up so I think that that may, like just takes the stress out of it so much Beth tell us where can they find the course um so I guess the easiest place to find the course itself you can go directly to my website which is yeah. com slash courses Okay. Um, or you could find it in my bio on Instagram, which is at Little Movers PT. And those are the two easiest places to find it, really. Um, yeah. Right through my website or Instagram. Great. And those will be linked in the description of this podcast as well. Um, Beth, this work is just like so important that you're doing. And thank you so much for sharing it with us. Um, and cheers to Little Movers. Cheers to you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Beth.